0: Warning, this episode contains references to child sexual abuse and strong language. We warned you. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle.
1: Georgie. Michelle. You're Michelle.
0: <laughs> I'm Georgie. No, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, you're Georgie. You're Michelle. I'm Georgie. Get it right, Michelle. What happened to you? Do you know what? It's because I didn't have any breakfast and then I thought, I'm going to have a little bit of breakfast just before we record. So I had a banana and some Pringles. I think the Pringles, yeah, the Pringles have addled my brain.
1: (laughs) You've crisps for breakfast, Michelle. That's not very healthy. What sort of a message is that
0: giving our listeners? Do you know what? That's the way to live, people. That's the (laughs) way to live. And do you know what? If I actually had rum in front of me, I'd be (gasps) doing that right now too, but I don't. I've got green tea. no. I'm all for the daytime drinking. Why not? Why the hell not?
1: Well, if what about if you have to control heavy machinery or something? Mm. You know, that bread machine isn't going to run itself. <laughs> that pasta machine. You could have a terrible accident.
0: Ah, It's okay. At least you'd be smiling <laughs> Well, the hand oh, would got you? chopped off. <laughs> would you though? <laughs> oh, I don't know. When you're smiling. No, I don't think you would. <laughs> I tell you when I wasn't smiling. When? At the end of last night's episode. Off. Line of Duty. L-O-D. We have not not talked about Line of Duty for a while. We haven't. Because not everybody listens to it, I suppose.
1: And I I mean, I bore the everyday person in the street with my, if they just mention Line of Duty, I'm suddenly on them like a car bonnet. On it like a car bonnet. I'm all over it. I'm saying, what do you think? Who do you think she's related to? Is I reckon it's t- da da da. I'm not going to say because obviously some people aren't watching. But yeah, oh, I guess God, I
0: guess I guess we can't do spoiler alerts. But let me just say, I'm watching series one in tandem. By the way, oh, are you making notes? Are you taking notes? No. Okay, well there you go. End of end of convo. Um, <laughs> all I will say is. The fact on a Sunday night when you should be relaxing and, and yet, then you're watching Line of Duty. Screaming at the television. Screaming and then have, going to bed straight Straight away. Out. Oh, yeah, my that's God, not it's too good. much for a Sunday night. That's, but not, anyway, fair. that's not fair. We will leave it at that. But you know what? It's only two more weeks and I'm a bit sad. We've only got two weeks left. Yeah, but then I'm going to go back to Series 1 again. Because right. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Can't and stop it's watching. The, it's the gift that keeps on giving.
1: Yeah. Well, I've lost my mother by now, but that's okay. She's now a listener. She said she's now going to be a regular listener.
0: Oh, that's lovely. Now, did you get to the bottom of, of why Robin can't understand what I say?
1: <laughs> I think it's. Um, I think she lost interest. I think she just loses interest when she hears us talking about things like Line of Duty and, and Ben Mendelsohn. I think she tunes out.
0: I think Ben still needs a role in Line of Duty. I think we should contact Jeb Mercurio and what lobby. Would he, who would he be? He's he the Aussie be a- crime wave criminal. He's the crime wave
1: <laughs> He's a one man crime wave. That's our
0: Ben. Something to be proud of. He's an OCG. I think he's more of a chiz. Oh I don't I really can't stand that word chiz. It it's not good. It's too is it? much like jizz, but hey ho. <laughs> So, last so, uh, week's episode, yes. Judy, I had so much feedback about it. Mm, I had I a few really comments
1: did. and obviously my yeah. mum got straight on the line and asked us to do that lovely live Instagram live that we did following up on a few points that she felt we hadn't really covered properly, but we did that. Hope you're
0: happy now, Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. We had a we had a look at a little bit of the other side of the story why, you know, looking at the cultural context of why um, these women were not considered to be fit mothers back then because of, you know, ostracism yeah. and no financial support. So it was, you know, it was good. For anybody who missed that, you can catch up on the Instagram live. Yeah, it's apologies on faces. about Faces. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, can't, I pressed the wrong button and it means we can't put it on YouTube and Facebook. So I'm sorry about that.
0: Do you know what? I do love it though. At the end of every live, you're like, Michelle, you know what how I do? do I stop this? What do I do? <laughs> It's I'm really the wrong person anyway. to be in charge of our Instagram account, but never no, mind. <laughs> no, you do a great job. Um, But no, the, so many lovely comments about, um, I mean, for anyone who hasn't listened, please go back and listen or tune out to what we're about to say. A lot of people really fe- felt that you uh, were very brave to share your story oh. and um, felt really moved by it.
1: Oh, that's nice. Nice to know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Also, we had the lovely Tamira on.
0: We did have Tamira on our um, Instagram live. She was amazing. I loved hearing all about the fourth dimension. I
1: know. Amazing. All those cats in the room that she. Oh my God. Oh, that's mental. It is crazy. We're definitely going to have Tamira on some more Instagram lives. She's great, not only to look at, but to listen to as well.
0: Tamira, the modern mystic. Get into it. So uh any apologies do you know what I actually
1: was going through am I supposed to apologize to my brother for saying he had a face like a pan full of fried assholes do you know <laughs> did people Do people think I'd what? crossed a line there
0: do you know what my sister said I was listening and I was really moved by the episode last week but I did wonder if Jordan had oh. <laughs> gone too far <laughs> ah. 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 sorry Aaron but listen you know... he's he's
1: like, he, one he doesn't listen so he deserves it, and two, he said he doesn't he doesn't offend easily.
0: And do you know what, your brother is very handsome. He I have is, to say. yes, he is. He's a handsome handsome chap. So you can't be gorgeous all your life, Aaron. No, he had to, he had a rough start. Even my mother agreed <laughs> oh, that he he, he
1: grew oh. into his looks. <laughs> oh, Aaron. do you know she did tell me something interesting? Actually, going back to the adoption episode from last week, uh, Mum and I had a chat at the weekend, and she. She was astounded that I remembered so much about going in and choosing my own baby brother while she was off with the actual ugly one. (laughs) And I chose the pretty one. She said, I said, I remember so much, Mum. And I remember going back to her cousin's house, which is next door to her aunt's in Sydney. And Mm -hmm. she said, that's because it was your birthday. It was my third birthday, the day that we picked him up. He was one month old. So he was quite tiny compared to me. So I thought that was interesting.
0: Gosh, you really do remember a lot because I don't Mm -hmm. think I have any memories of that time in my life. Three, Maybe when I lost my entire little brown um, uh, vinyl bag full of little golden books. I left them on a wall and I was devastated. Absolutely devastated. Why were you walking out and about
1: with your sack full of little golden books?
0: Do you know what? Because they were my my favourite thing. And I had this this brown vinyl bag with silver handles and it was gorgeous. It was so 70s. I don't know why because we were born in the 90s. But anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) this very 70s looking bag full of little golden books. And, you know, just it was a heartbreaking day for me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I left my bunny on the bus. Oh, God. Those I remember trauma. I remember trauma. I guess (laughs) thinking about this was seeing that ugly little baby trauma. Is this why you remember it? (laughs) I kicked up quite
1: a fuss. Mum doesn't remember that because she had other things on her mind, but I kicked Mm. up quite the fuss. I remember going, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving this hospital with that baby. (laughs) Not when there's the other one in there, which I've chosen.
0: (laughs) Love you Aaron, love you love Aaron. Love you Aaron. <laughs> so, Michelle, enough
1: of that. What are we talking about today? Cuz I think oh. you led me up the garden path.
0: I did, you know. I mean, we started off this episode uh with a topic in mind. It's really turned into something else. In fact, just one thing. So. One thing and one thing only. And it's not bent <laughs> coppers.
1: Or is it the letter of the law? The law.
0: <laughs> so, we are talking today about a documentary that we both watched quite a few weeks ago. So, we may have some facts wrong. <laughs> Apologies in advance.
1: Fact um, fr- a fact free rundown of a documentary that you haven't watched, but we haven't. Have. So
0: so I guess we should do a spoiler alert, uh, Klaxon here, for anybody who hasn't watched Alan vs. Pharaoh. that's what we're talking about today. So uh, maybe you can pause, go watch four hours of documentary and then come back to our podcast. Um, because, I mean, look, I say that, but actually, having watched the documentary and then sort of having a bit of knowledge about this, because this has been going on since 1982. Yeah. You know, were there really a lot of new facts? We can get into this, but certainly if you know anything about this case, uh, you will know that yeah, this case just runs and runs and runs. Shall we do a little uh shall I should I do a little potted potted summary of what we're what we're talking about? I think you ought to. I will write then. So, it goes like this.
1: Wait, Michelle? Yeah, it's Jordy. Do we need a trigger warning here?
0: Trigger warning. Ah, uh, yes, I guess because we about... do we do cover some issue. Well, the whole thing is about um, child molestation and sexual abuse. So, trigger warning. Trigger
1: warning. Warning. Trigger warning.
0: Look out! Trigger. Oh my goodness! Warning. The Brace yourself, Mavis. We're going back to January 1992 and Hollywood actress Mia Farrow, who, for anyone who doesn't know her, she had that gorgeous little pixie cut in Rosemary's Baby. That's right. Super scary. We have talked about Rosemary's Baby. Maybe in The
1: Exorcist. Yeah. We've mentioned that film a lot. We have. We also mentioned it in relation to um, John Lennon's assassination.
0: Yes, we did. Okay. Go back, guys. Listen up. If you want to know more about that, listen through
1: the whole
0: library. catalogue. About- <laughs> We're not going to tell you
1: because we can't remember.
0: All right. So Mia Farrow, uh, so like I said, back in January 1992, she found some super graphic Polaroid nudes of a young girl in her long-term partner Woody Allen's home. And she actually described these pictures as being more Hustler than Playboy. And for our younger listeners who may not understand what that means, it means the pictures are really extreme, not just sort of art house porn. So more Hustler than Playboy. Hustler was your, your kind of like grimy, grimy like porn mag. And Playboy had a bit more class to it, if that's even possible. Anyway, so she found these like dodgy nudes in... Her long-term partner, Woody Allen's home. Turns out, the young girl in the nudes is Mia Farrow's adopted Korean daughter, soon Previn, who, yeah. okay, let's be clear, at that point was not underage. She was 21 at the time, and Woody Allen was 56. So good. <laughs> Although soon was not, like, his adopted daughter, and he was not quite a stepfather to her because he hadn't legally adopted her also she was a bit older when she joined the
1: family wasn't she compared to the other children because Mia Farrow has tons let's just face it she's got tons and tons of adopted children one biological child no, three biological children and the rest are adopted mostly from around the world
0: woman's a baby hoarder she is. She's a baby hoarder. So is Angelina Jolie. Let's yes. just call a spade a Let's spade. call it that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to know more about hoarding, you can go back to... <laughs> two back episodes back to ago. Our, That's yeah, hoarders, yeah. That is hoarders. Um, Don't eat breakfast while you're listening to that episode. No, please do not. Or soup. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Mia, Mia Farrow had adopted Sunyi when she was with Andre Previn. So when she was then with Woody Allen, Sunyi was actually you know, legally adopt, like the the daughter of of Andre. So although Woody Allen wasn't her father, he had been a father figure to her. And, you know, he was in a long-term relationship with Mia, Sunyi's mother. And had one biological child
1: together and one adopted child together. Yeah. Yes, they did. During that time.
0: Yep. So obviously this revelation shattered Mia Farrow. Like it would any woman who found super porno pics of her daughter in her partner's house clearly taken by Woody Allen I mean it's a double whammy
1: that one that's a double whammy I've been thinking about that a lot because what would I be more upset about I think my daughter being
0: exploited exploited
1: by an older man that's the thing that would probably hit me in in the heart harder than the betrayal of my husband being with a younger woman
0: I think so. And but this of course is not the narrative that was presented at the time. You know, she was she was victimized. We're talking about Mia here. She was victimized and and we'll get to that because this all ties into what comes next, which is pretty much the crux of the Allen versus Farrow documentary. So eight months later, in nineteen ninety two Woody Allen was accused of sexually abusing his seven-year-old adopted daughter, Dylan Farrow, which he has denied for more than 30 years and has never been tried for, and which Mia and Dylan Farrow have campaigned against, and Ronan too, which is Woody Allen's biological son. And, you know, Mia and Dylan have never been believed. And I guess this is as good a place to start as any, because that's a little potted history of... Really, what the the documentary, this four part documentary, is about. And look, God, there are so many issues in this story. But what people always want to join the dots between is the soon Yi nudes and Mia retali- retaliating with a revenge campaign, mm-hmm. i.e., fabricating this story of sexual abuse. And again, we have talked about false memories. Because this is what Woody Allen's side of the story is saying happened, that Mia Farrow coached this seven-year-old girl into fabricating a story of sexual abuse. And look, we both know from previous episodes, false memories are a real thing and they're really powerful. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this?
1: Well, I just read a Guardian article moments before we started recording, Michelle, because I thought this episode was all about gaslighting. So <laughs> I came at it from a different angle. So I quickly looked at some oh. different things. The, the Guardian article I just read was, was quite damning of the documentary. What's she on about? Huh? Silly bitch. What? A lot of Woody Woody Allen's side of things wasn't presented and it's true that he wasn't really fairly represented in this documentary and I think that's what the Guardian article was getting at. But equally, nor was Mia Farrow's side of things and Dylan's side of things for all these decades. They were completely trodden on by a powerful man backed up by powerful people.
0: No, it's, it's absolutely true. Look... As, you know, with having a journalist background, I would absolutely agree that there were not two sides of the story here. I'm I'm kind of conflicted about this documentary because what this documentary is doing is re-examining the misogyny of the early 90s when this yeah. whole thing was going down. And we're now, like, re-examining the case with a kind of post-MeToo lens because if we think about how this documentary is reframing the case, we can't not see it through the cultural lens of now because, as you rightly said, you know, Mia Farrow and Dylan have been saying the same story since 1992 mm. and, you know, you're right – At the time, Woody Allen had enormous cultural power. He was one of the most famous and most powerful men in show business and he had a lot of money and connections to discredit Mia and Dylan and rewrite Mm. the narrative to one of a woman out for revenge using her daughter to get that revenge. Parental
1: alienation was a massive thing at the time which had been – has been used in a lot of divorce cases and they went for it with the parental alienation, which is a thing. It does happen. Yeah. But they were, were, were saying that that's what Farrow's tactics were. Yeah. And also in this article, sorry to interrupt, Michelle, in the article I read just now, they mentioned that uh, Dylan apparently had been seen seeing a doctor before all the allegations because both parents believed her to have an, a florid imagination she lived in a fantasy world. See,
0: I read conflicting information. I read that it, she absolutely was not going to see the therapist because she had a wild imagination, that she was going to the therapist because she was shy and withdrawn. Ah. And that they are using – somehow there's been misinformation out there that she had this wild imagination because that ties very neatly into Woody Allen's case for her making it up. mm. And she insists she did not. Just going back to, to this documentary and why I think it's had a lot of interest now post Me Too is something that you said before, which is, you know, in the 90s, there was absolutely no chance for Mia and Dylan to be properly heard because the stereotypes of a woman scorned, you know, she was branded with this stereo, stereotypical image of how, well, how could she possibly uh, not want revenge if her partner is fucking her daughter. But I just think that is so cruel and it's really set up to have Woody Allen as the the hero of the story. Well, not the hero, as the person who has been victimised here when mm. really, quite frankly, everything that Woody has done is transgressive and he doesn't give a fuck because his behaviour, no matter whether Sun Yi is 21 or a child, he was still the father figure in her life. It's yeah. fucking creepy. It's not on. It's yeah, not it's creepy.
1: right.
0: Yeah. So I think what was interesting about the documentary is that uh, it does really present a compelling case of of what happened to Dylan. Yeah. And at the end of it, you you come away thinking she is deeply credible. Mm-hmm. Dylan is, even Absolutely. though at the time. The judge in the case did not want to put her on the stand because he didn't want to put her through everything. Yeah. But if he had, I actually think no jury would have thought that she was making it up. Exactly. She has stuck to this story forever. She has, and she hasn't veered. She's been, it's
1: been the same over and over and over again. And when you're retelling a fantasy tale, you tend yeah. to flourish or, you know, certain aspects become – they change over time
0: hers never did no and so I guess you know it can come down to did it happen did it not happen what do you think I believe it happened
1: of course I do after listening to her speak and Mm -hmm. all the evidence that was presented in the documentary now the thing that I was going to tell you before going back to when she was being the, the moment she was being abused trigger warning was in an attic in the home the country home of Mia Farrow there were loads of children there there was the neighbours children there there was two nannies there Mm -hmm. I think they were the only adults some of the uh, older children were there as well some of the adopted daughters that were older yeah and they went look they knew that they shouldn't it was kind of a given that you don't really let Woody Allen alone with Dylan for too long because
0: Mia had instituted this this rule woody was not to be alone with dylan and did you read why because a few times she'd found him
1: or her in the situation in a bed or with his face in her crotch right? exactly so
0: look there were some really creepy things that led to um... things that
1: made her uneasy
0: yeah first of all woody would consistently ask dylan to suck his thumb Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Super <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking creepy. The way you said that, Michelle, your delivery <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Maximum No, but impact. come on. Like yeah. what father figure is asking No, their, their it's not right. Six five, six, seven year old daughter. No. Suck my thumb. Come no. on. It's like it's gross. You see you always see that in like daddy porn anyway. What? So, daddy porn. Oh my god, Michelle. Yeah, okay, whatever. Anyway. So, I don't know what you're talking about. You always glad. claim this. You, you I, always it's say true. you don't even know what porn hub is. I know what
1: I don't know what porn hub is. I know what porn is, but I'm glad I don't know what daddy porn is. <sighs> Fucking hell.
0: <laughs> Jesus. How can you go through all these years of life? It's just it's in the cultural milieu. <laughs> Anyway, but I'm not going
1: to watch porn.
0: I don't watch it. You just know like, about it. I don't
1: watch it as much as you do, Michelle.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> I'm not. I don't watch it, porn. It up every weekend. So there's this the thumb sucking. Ugh. Then this also was like on repeat with Dylan and Woody. He would get her in his bed because Mia and Woody didn't actually live together. You know, they had a very like. Convenient for him.
1: Yeah, really Wasn't convenient. it? The the Yeah. The setup. yeah. He yeah. didn't really want a commitment. He didn't really want to be a father, but he went along with it as long as he could keep his own place and dip in and out as he wished.
0: Yes. So he could then take super graphic nudes of his, well, not adopted daughter, semi-stepdaughter, Suni. Yeah. That's how that all even could happen. But anyway, back to Dylan. Yeah, he would often get her in her underpants in the bed with him when he was in his underpants and he would very suggestively cuddle her and wrap his body around hers she talks about this in the documentary and it's it's like that creepy shiver up your spine moment Mm -hmm. so and like you said before he would always put his head between her legs and just kind of I don't know if he was smelling her or what he was doing. I don't know. But there was an account from one of the babysitters who walked in on him doing this with Dylan numerous times. And she said it was the kind of scene that if you saw two adults doing it, like a, a, a man with his head between the legs of a woman, you would walk away and go, whoa, sorry, guys, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Right. So this is not appropriate behaviour. Right no. there. And then I don't know if you remember this, this for me was probably the most oh God, disturbing incident in Trigger the, warning. Trigger warning. The the incident where Woody was on the beach with the whole family and Dylan and he Dylan was nude and he suggestively put the suntan lotion between her legs. Oh, my God.
1: You don't I remember that? that bit, Yeah, no. no,
0: that was really upsetting. And uh, Mia's mother, Mia's sister and Mia's best friend all saw this and oh were on high alert. Then there was also a therapist who had gone to a family birthday party mm. and had seen Woody's obsessive attention towards Dylan and his – just the way he would follow her around and she said to me listen I've never seen Woody with Dylan but this is cause for concern here so um, you know add all of this up together and it's not uh, a pleasant picture add to this the fact that yes Woody Allen was a celebrated film director but so many of his films were about Really young girls Manhattan Yep And especially Manhattan Where you know You had the gorgeous Muriel Hemingway Absolutely yep. stunning Making moves on Woody Allen Oof. Now did you Do any research On that Because No I didn't Okay So
1: I hope you did
0: <laughs> A little <laughs> Go find my notes Find your nerds. Find my notes. Right. Or
1: wrong. Wrong. Is it fact or is it just my opinion? can kind of it be
0: both? Don't sue me. With Manhattan, he apparently based that whole film on an affair he had with this woman called Babby Christina Englehart. I'm sorry, but like... Her actual name is Babi, B-A-B-I. Who the fuck calls a kid Babi? Yeah, <laughs> anyway, uh, Babby he foot. was he was forty one and she was sixteen, right? Ay, and she was a model. And look, he likes them young. And they had this affair for eight years. And Jeez. you know, she was. Look, I think she was probably quite a sassy young girl, but mm-hmm. you know, she was sixteen, enamoured with Woody Allen, and she thought they were in a relationship. Well, she was absolutely shocked to the core when uh, he one day said to her, "Hey, um, you know, I'd really love you to meet my girlfriend." And she Holy was like, "Shit!" I thought I was your girlfriend, and he introduced her to Mia.
1: Oh my goodness! Yeah,
0: just so you know, Woody. Likes them young. And Mm -hmm. look, I'm not in defense of Woody, but I mean, you know, he's obviously got some issues here because, you know, also with the Sun yi thing. But, you know, maybe he just didn't know how to be around children. Maybe he didn't understand that there are boundaries when it comes to young children. I don't know. But... Certainly, by by all accounts, his behaviour towards Dylan was disturbing. Totally. Yeah. And really inappropriate. And you know what? Like even having an affair with a 16-year-old girl when you're 41, come on, it's not fucking right. My skin is slightly crawling right now, I have to say. I don't
1: want to be too judgmental, you know, but...
0: Go for it. I want it. I, be I'm judgmental. Not f- I,
1: no, I'm not feeling very comfortable about it.
0: No, but why would you? Because... Yeah. You know, we all know that at sixteen, you feel like you own the fucking world. You think you're worldly. Mm-hmm. You think you're you know everything, but really, you're you're a kid and a forty-one year year old man. And and let's face it, yes, he was obviously an intellectual and really charismatic, but he's not a looker. <laughs> he ain't no, no looker. He's no Matt Dillon. <laughs> Matt Just Dillon. Just trying to think who I would
1: have fancied at that time. <laughs> It would have been someone like Matt Dillon when I was sixteen. Absolutely, gosh, he was gorgeous. He was gorgeous, actually, and still is.
0: But do you remember he What movie was it? The one with Cameron Diaz? Cameron Diaz, where he was a bit something drippy. about Mary. Yeah, we oh, ended up being like. I the love dopey. him, funny. I know.
1: Then he became funny. He was always he was- moody, and now he's funny. The Outsiders. That was one hell of an eye candy film for me. And I Who know we were born in, in the nineties, but. See Thomas Howell, who you don't hear about anymore, he was the main character. What about Ralph to Macchio? Him? Another one you'd I mean I didn't uh, fancy him. Is his no A karate Is it, kid. Is it
0: Ralph Machaccio or Macchio? Macchio. Not Machaccio. Is that what you <laughs> Ralph Machaccio? <laughs> Ralph
1: know. Macchiato. Ma- no, <laughs> Wax on Wax off. That's the guy from Karate I thought kid. it was Ralph Mach Mich- No, okay. <laughs> no, uh,
0: All these years, I thought his name was Ralph Machachi. No,
1: darling. <laughs>
0: oh, oh. Oh, sorry, but let Ralph. me carry
1: on because you've—they're all coming back thick and fast now. You've got you've got Swayze, Patrick Swayze. Oh,
0: but I never fancied him. Did you Not me either. Him? No, I didn't. No, I just thought he was a bit puffy. Rob Lowe. You couldn't not. Come on, he was hot in that elevator scene. Do you remember? He was There's no sex. elevator in there. No, 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 no. But he was having sex in a glass St. Elmo's of elevator. Fire. In- was it Sinh? It was one of those things. But yes, yeah, no, I did. That was saucy. Yes, but you know, I also going back to that era, I did quite fancy Michael J. Fox. Boo! I suppose he's your height. Oh, the little ones, yeah. <laughs> you like the little ones. Okay, so Rob Lowe was in it. Who else?
1: Okay, Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise, not my cup of no, tea. No,
0: never my cup of tea.
1: That was his first film. He's little. So he'd be suitable for you. No, thanks.
0: And I don't want Nicole's leftovers, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who else is there? Uh, there were some other good ones. Uh, Leif Garrett was in it. Do you remember Leif Garrett? Of
0: course I do. But he'd already
1: lost his shine by then. Yeah. He but- was a bad boy.
0: Do you know what he was only good for about eighteen months, where he had that long hair and the surf beads when around he was 14. his neck when he was yeah, yeah when he was like a pinup. Obviously, yeah. like it was a throwback from my mum's scrapbooks because we were not bored. Yeah, because mum, point. your mum loved Leif Garrett. <laughs> no, she loved Cliff Richard. Jen Did she? was a Cliff Richards fan, and I we actually God. met him. Did you? Yes, I had won.
1: On a cruise.
0: No, on a Tom Cruise. No, we I had won a colouring in competition <laughs> and, the, and the prize was a two-night stay at the Siebel Townhouse in Sydney. Fuck me,
1: just for being able to get it within the lines?
0: Yes. And good a, And Lord. good use of colour, come on. Okay. So, and it was a Mother's Day gift. So it was like me and your – like the, the prize was you and your mother – Get on a plane, never been on a plane before, from oh Canberra goodness. Airport. It was also glamorous. Uh, to Sydney, we stayed in the Siebel Town Townhouse, which was very posh at the time. Top notch. It was top notch. And we went down for the for the breakfast. Who's sitting there? Cliff Richards. Cliffy. Who, who's sitting next to him? Shirley Bassey. Oh, and, my God. And Jen the Hand pushed me and said, you got to go and get their autographs. And so I did this little girl. They Hello. weren't part of the prize. No, they were just sitting there at breakfast. I had to go and annoy them over there. you know, their eggs. <laughs> so, oh, God. What did you say? Hello, can I have your autograph? And then my mum came up. Oh, hi, me too. There were pictures, autographs. Oh, and all. man. Yeah. Poor
1: Cliffy. You know, oh. it's Cliff Richard, not Cliff Richards.
0: Sorry. I think I said both because I, <laughs> I said Cliff Richard and then I went, Cliff Richards. I, anyway. Cliff Richardson. <laughs> That's how much I, I'm And Shirley mad. Bassett. But you remember, oh. Devil Woman, she's such a devil, devil woman. Devil
1: woman with evil on her mind. It's dirty, beware the devil woman, she's, she's going to get, get you, you from behind. <laughs> and what about, I like small speakers. I like oh, tall speakers. If there's music,
0: I'm wired for so... But do you remember he was on the roller skates?
1: Yeah, he was on the roller skates. He, he was, was on everything at that point. I love that. He was
0: amazing. But Shirley Bassey, what a woman! What? Carrie woman. doesn't live here anymore. That's another <laughs> great <laughs> That's one not from Shirley. Place. That's Cliff Richards. <laughs> 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 What's a Shirley number? Diamonds are forever, forever. <laughs> I wish people could see the faces, Joy. <laughs> that's my doing Shirley right Bassey face. <laughs> Shirley forever. Bassie.
1: I actually had a job once to do, I had to do an impersonation of Shirley Bassey for a voiceover, um, a, oh, a singing voiceover job. I think I heard this. For Sky, the Sky, um, a Sky thing. Sky television and apparently they used it and I never got to hear it because it didn't oh, have Sky. No,
0: I would have I loved to have heard that. I actually I think went, I heard Forever! <laughs> like that. Oh, okay. Right. Something else. We've
1: gone right off topic here, Mish. We might have to reel it in. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But you know what? Like, It's hard work talking about sexual abuse.
0: <laughs> it's really tiring <laughs> talking about all that sexual abuse. <laughs> I don't like it. No, do you know what though? And This documentary, I have to say, for anyone watching it, it is quite hard going because, Mm. you know, I mean, there's so much to it. And look, I have to say, like I said before, I am really kind of conflicted by this documentary because, look, as much as I think something happened, yeah, there are some weird things about this documentary. And I'm not saying that I don't think Woody did it because, I mean... Who fucking knows? You know, no one ever knows anything about yeah. what goes down ever except the two people involved. And even in this case, I don't even know if they know the truth anymore. But
1: but you know what we do know is that Woody Allen is a very powerful man and he was able to flex that muscle to his advantage, not only to his advantage to get him off, to make him look good in public, but to really slam Mia Farrow, to really make her look like an asshole, And also he tried to take the children, all of them, away from her.
0: That is absolutely and true. And that
1: was the shitty thing. Whether he did something bad or not, whether she did something bad or not, it, that, that was the most awful thing of this whole story is that he not only tried to clear his name, he tried to sully hers. And that's not cool.
0: But also, and I wanted to look at this from a different perspective slightly because if we, if we look at it in the context of like workplace abuse and professional intimidation, he has fucked her over because – She never worked again in well, films. He, but let's remember, he professionally controlled her. He controlled her work. He controlled her finances. He isolated her um, professionally and all throughout that documentary, Mia Farrow said she was scared of him because Mm. he had created a situation where he was her boyfriend, the father of her children, and her boss. He had Mm. all the fucking power. And like you said, he exclusively employed her between 1980 and 1992 when they were dating, right? And they did 13 films together. And she did not appear in a single film during that time with another filmmaker. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, fair enough. They did 13 movies together in 12 years. So there probably wasn't a lot of time to do that. But he had the power to hire her and fire her. Yeah. And how can that not influence your relationship? And in the film, she said, and this is a quote, it was Woody's world and it was very controlled. And she said, I didn't have an agent anymore because I was with him. I didn't need an agent. He said, I could share... His agent, which means she was using his agent who, and she was sorry, he was her boss. So her whole professional life was under his, mm. his There's control. No, freedom. No, yeah. no, 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 no. And the thing is that the other really sad thing is because you might say, well, why didn't she just break out and do her own films? He convinced her that she was old and ugly and would never work and he was helping her out and she says and this is a quote i didn't believe at that time i could even get an agent because Hmm. he had chipped away at her you know it it was really awful
1: that is your gaslighting. That is your coercive control. Yeah, I wanted to say something about gaslighting because I did think we were doing the whole. I know. On I that.
0: do you know what? I thought we were too, and I think we have but to do this. Fine. I think we come back to gaslighting in an in that's another fine. episode. It's just that <clears> when I was going through this, I thought there is so much to talk about with this case. Yeah, I'm, sure. I don't know that we're going to have time to know sandwich in some gaslighting but no go for it but I just want to
1: quickly say one thing because I did listen to a nice little podcast by some New Zealand girls called The Shit Show
0: uh, (laughs) because it said
1: gaslighting and so I listened to it and they used an analogy very early on in the episode where they were just describing gaslighting
0: Mm -hmm.
1: as a frog in a frying pan have you heard that before
0: no but I'm feeling sick (laughs) oh my god
1: but if you think about it, so when you, you're talking to me about Mia Farrow, putting up with all this shit. Now, she was married to bloody Frank Sinatra at one point, And then she was married to Andre Previn. Yeah. She was a mover and a shaker. She came from her mother was Maureen O'Sullivan, a massive movie star. Gorgeous. You know, mm-hmm. her father, I think, was a famous director. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. She should have had a bit more power. Over her life. Why didn't she? People are probably saying, why didn't she just break out? When did she realize that Woody Allen was actually controlling her? Well, the frog in a frying pan analogy Mm -hmm. is very much about what happens to not just people like Mia Farrow, but women all over the world, men too, you know, who are being coercively controlled or gaslit by their partners. Frog in a frying pan is a frog sitting in a frying pan and that he is being turned up so incrementally and so gradually that the the frog... Never realizes it's being cooked. cooked.
0: Jesus! Oh. And it's very
1: easy. It, it very easily happens.
0: So basically, he starts off being all like lovely, and by the end, he's fried frog. Yeah. Oh god. And but you know what? This is look. This has happened to me. I was in a relationship where I was when we first got together. I was really strong, confident woman. And had, I'd always been in very um, equal relationships where, you know, I was, you know, I felt that I had my own power and my own independence. And then I ended up in a relationship where it wasn't until I was out of it that I had realized over years and years I had just been every single day chipped, chipped, chipped away at. And it is the frog in the fryer pan because you mm. don't, you don't know it's happening you don't see it happening your friends might say to you you just don't see yourself you know you don't have your shine mm. anymore but you don't see it yourself because it's so it's so incremental and it's so small but this chipping away at you it it eats at your soul and it destroys you and you see it time Mm -hmm. and time again in women. And I never thought that I would be the type of woman who would allow this, but you don't see it when you're in it.
1: No, I've experienced similar things like that as well and as I'm sure most people have to some degree. Mm. Mm. But today is not about... No. Coercive Control. It's about Mia Farrow and Woody
0: Allen. Well, look, I wanted to bring up something that we had vaguely discussed uh, before, and this was the Weinstein connection. Now, you've done a lot of research into this.
1: I've got a lot of um, Weinstein here. But
0: can I just ask you, because a lot of this connects to Ronan. Yes. Ronan... But hang on. Satchel Farrell... Yes,
1: Satchel Ronan Farrell S- is his name. Yeah,
0: he was he was what born Satchel, changed to Ronan. Good call. Satchel, but... Rain-
1: satchel Ronan, and he dropped the Satchel. Yeah, I think. Yeah,
0: is he hot?
1: He's gorgeous.
0: He is, isn't he? I couldn't. Yeah. Look, I was what looking at him, thinking beautiful. He is like an eighties Calvin Klein model. Absolutely yes. gorgeous, and I was thinking, is it just me? Is it wrong to think that he's kind of hot? But he's hot. He's hot, but I'm very, I get very confused
1: about the color of his eyes. Are they brown? Are they blue? Sometimes they're brown. Sometimes they're blue. <gasps> I saw a picture today of him with his mother when he was about fourteen. Yeah, and he had blue eyes. So they must be blue. But then they're brown. I just don't know. I don't know what's going on
0: there. But you know, my my eyes used to change with the weather. They're more green now, but I used to have blue eyes. And I used to have blue eyes. Some days they would be very blue. No, sometimes they would be green. Anyway, mine
1: changed when I had my son at twenty. 20- Odd, years old. Anyway,
0: Ronan Mm.
1: Farrow, he is the son who grew up the closest in age to Dylan. They were very much together as brother and sister. But even he didn't believe her at the time. Uh, He was very confused about the whole thing. And it took him years and years. And to the point where... Uh, at one point he met Jane Fonda and she told him she won't do Woody Allen films anymore and she told him that years ago
0: Right. before
1: he had done his expose. Did you know that Ronan Farrow, did you know that he started college at 11? Oh, my God. So he's gorgeous and smart. And he got a, a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy at the age of 15.
0: Wow. Okay. He is
1: super, super smart. Then he did a law degree. So Some people have it all. And from <laughs> law, he moved into journalism and he was working for the New Yorker, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you that because I don't have the information to hand. Here it is. New York Times he was working for. And he did some work. This is pre getting on board with Dylan's story. Yeah, He did some work in 2018. He won a Pulitzer, a shared in a Pulitzer Prize for mm-hmm. public service after he broke the Harvey Weinstein Weinstein for the New York Times.
0: Now, I think that's really crucial to his understanding of what happened to his case. sister yep. because in the documentary, he he kind of apologised to her and said, for years I didn't believe you, for years I said, get over it. This what, Don't have this as your narrative. Don't have a victim narrative, this happened to me. Put it in the past, move on. But I think mm-hmm. once he broke the Weinstein story, I think he really had a lot more Compassion and sympathy for what had gone on. And then he investigated. Mm.
1: Probably because, it. now this is all based on Ronan's Catch and Kill podcast and book, which is really fascinating. It's probably because Mm. he started reporting on the Harvey Weinstein thing while at NBC News, along with a veteran producer, Rich McHugh. Now McHugh was astounded when he witnessed firsthand the historic event of a major news outlet killing a story when execs told him and Tharoor to stand down, so already they were being shut out of the media for this. You know, you don't go after someone like Weinstein. He's a very yep. powerful man. He's a very rich man. That's why he's gotten away with things for so long. And maybe this is what happened to Ronan. He was thinking, "Oh, my father's a very powerful man. There were things thrown at him, and it was shut down." What happened to Ronan eventually was that he was, uh, he had a private investigator on his back. He was contracted to surveil him in New York 2017 on behalf of a secret client eventually he cr- tracked this russian guy down Igor was his name the private investigator and he eventually learned that the secret client was the black, was black cube which is an israeli based a- agency with roots in mossad what? and they were working on behalf of Harvey Weinstein no
0: oh my god to get
1: and discredit Ronan Farrow yeah they there was a sting operation which was organised with a woman called Ambra Gutierrez, who had been the victim of Weinstein's unwanted advances. And in it, Harvey Weinstein was heard to say things like, on take, this is all revealed, this is through, this the sting operation was run by, I think Ronan had something to do with this. And he was heard to say things like, don't be foolish. If you don't trust me, then we have no reason to do anything and you will lose big opportunities. So it really Mm -hmm. kind of threw, he threw himself under the bus there. And that's how they kind of the whole thing railroaded from there into Weinstein, too much to Rosanna Arquette's dismay, because I listened to a podcast with her and Ronan as well mm. uh, from earlier this year or last year, where she wasn't, she, it was March last year, she couldn't believe that he actually got prison for it. She really felt he was going to get off.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, because look at Woody, Woody Allen, he got off. He got, he got off. off. Now I read this thing; it was really interesting that during like Ronan's investigation into Weinstein, uh, he found that a lot of uh, Weinstein's sexual harassment tactics, um, you know, were similar to what what Woody had done. And one of them was to use industry clout to blackball actresses who turned him down. Right, and um, it was very carrot and stick. Yes. So it was either I will give you something or I will take something away. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I remember reading this one thing about uh, Peter Jackson who did Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he was told that Ashley Jard and Mira, Mira Silvino were, were nightmares to work with and, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't even considered for the roles. And he didn't question it because no. he just thought, well, if Weinstein's telling me they're a nightmare, oh, well, there's a million other actresses. But actually it yeah. was part of a, a smear cam- campaign against these two women.
1: And Both of them really – their their work was very thin on the ground after they yep. you know, were abused by Weinstein.
0: Yep. And look, what Mia describes happening with Alan sort of fits into that pattern yeah. because totally. he used his industry might to punish her professionally yep. for making – the like Dylan's accusations public,
1: and he know, had the mayor of New York City backing him, he, because yeah. the dollars that Woody Allen's films would bring yeah. it was it was like a, a massive advertisement for New York
0: City. Yep, exactly. and No one was going to slam him. No, and they didn't. And you know, Woody Allen had such like cultural capital that he was able to wield this power. He could get his revenge against Mia without ever having to say anything in public. However, Mm -hmm. if you listen to that documentary, you will hear all of these private recordings between Mia Farrow and Woody Allen. Again, one of the creepiest things in the documentary is when you hear Woody Allen saying things like, I'm not going to discuss that. Everything will come out in time. And he is... Honestly, since... It's he's winding chills. her up. She's desperate. Yeah, yeah. it chills down my spine. The way he's so awful. And
1: there was one moment, wasn't there, Michelle? Where where she said, "Are you recording this conversation?" Because clearly she was. He said, "No, no, I'm not. I'm not recording this. I'm not recording this." And then, oh, hang on, somebody's on the other line, and he, he didn't mute the line that he was on with her. Mm. And he, and it was his attorney, and he said, "Are you recording?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm recording everything. I've got her. Don't you worry. I've got it all on tape." Yeah, and she's like, "Huh." she's listening
0: yeah she's listening but (laughs) but the thing is I I did read that she only started recording him after he started recording her because she said the way he would speak to her was
1: she knew she
0: knew that he was trying to bait her into saying Mm. certain things and he was trying to provoke her and she was like this is being recorded and going to be used against me but there are just so many, I mean, we have only like scratched the surface of this case and there are so many things to consider here. But what really struck me throughout the whole thing was it's really hard to know what's real and what's not because they're both actors. Yes. You know, and it's not like they're real You can't, I I don't think I ever saw any genuine emotions, maybe from Mm. Dylan, but I just kept thinking, I feel like I'm watching Mia in a role and Woody Allen too, you know, it's like, are they real people? What, what, Mm -hmm. the lines are so blurred. It really, it really gave me pause for thought because, you know, it's not as if we're watching something like. Uh, Making a murderer, which was that brilliant Netflix series, Real People. What you saw, even Tiger King, what you saw was like <laughs> real and raw. But these yeah. guys are, you know, award-winning actors. Yeah, I, I just kept thinking. I feel like I am watching them in in a role. Woody was apparently asked to be to contribute to this documentary, mm-hmm. but. He reckons he was only asked a couple of months before it was, you know, due to to be wrapped up. So he reckons he didn't get enough time. He claims it's a hatchet job. He reckons that he's had 30 years of denying the claims. And look, we haven't even gone into the evidence against him, which has been completely discredited. Um, The evidence that that
1: he sabotaged... The New Haven Hospital, the Yale New Haven Hospital Sexual Abuse Clinic. Yes. Which they They sent Dylan there for testing mm. in this specialised hospital. We do need to touch on this, I think, yes. and at the end of it, the result was that they they said, in our opinion, Dylan was not sexually molested by Mr. Allen. And then he was also investigated by New York State's Department of Social Services, which wrote no credible evidence was found that the child named in this report has been abused or maltreated. And then they, instead of going through the right channels, they took that information, they brought the Yale guys on board and held a press conference. Mia Farrow hadn't even been told about it, nor had the police about the findings. And then it turns out later that some of the social service social services people mm-hmm. who were in the documentary mm-hmm. saying that's not what what we reported. Yeah. We were told to change our reports. Yep. And the Yale Clinic as well, yep. they couldn't be found for comment, but it wasn't really what they had found. They found that she was a credible witness.
0: Yes. And look, I did actually read somewhere, and this is gross, so trigger warning, that the doctors who did examine Dylan found her, and this is in quotation marks, intact. Mm-hmm. but. hmm this doesn't mean that he wasn't inappropriate with her. Of course. You know, and when you listen... And there are
1: multiple witnesses to say that they've seen inappropriate behaviour between the two
0: of them. Yeah. And when you hear Dylan and you see she's broken inside mm. from this, you know, this is not somebody who made it up. You know, it's it's really, really awful. And she has a book called Hush,
1: by the way. She's she? written a book. Apparently she's a really amazing writer. Oh. I, I, and it's based on her experiences.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's awful. Part of me thinks that with with the way the documentary was put together, and, and this again is what what I am so conflicted about, is that there weren't two sides presented here because I would have loved Woody Allen to come on mm. and give his side of events. And... You know, I'm not sure that we really do come to any new conclusions after watching this documentary more than I think, you know, the pharaohs basically giving this documentary airtime. In the context of now, people are seeing it with new eyes and seeing it as credible. And hopefully, you know, there will be justice somehow somehow. But I'm not sure that Dylan will ever find peace with what happened Mm. to her. I don't think, I think Woody Allen is probably got away with something he shouldn't have. And I think Mia Farrow as a mother has been tortured by the guilt of bringing this man into her home, letting this happen, and losing a daughter in Soon-Yi. Which, speaking of her, what I thought was really interesting is that they've got two adopted children cuz Sunyi and Woody Allen have stayed together yeah for the last they are married they are married yeah. and they've got two adopted children not mm. not biological adopted i thought that was really strange actually so yeah i don't know there was no smoking gun of guilt in this in this documentary but i did think there was a lot of compelling evidence that especially the video the videos of Dylan as a little girl where you cannot help but your heart go out to her yeah. and for what she's been through so what are your mm. thoughts
1: well I I felt the same way I felt that, that it was a really a, a portrayal of a family that had been ripped apart by this mm. and not just that I felt I felt the unfairness for for Mia Farrow and her children yeah. especially Dylan I felt the unfairness I felt really angry about seeing Woody Allen up there giving his victory speech at a a press press conference that he arranged after obviously twisting someone's arm somewhere along the line at the Yale New Haven Hospital for Sexual Abuse. And I found it really sick and it was wrong. Okay, if you did something wrong, sure, it didn't have to be out there in the public domain. It could have been handled much better. But you do the crime, you need to do the time, mate. And you can't treat children like that.
0: No, no. And a lot
1: of people have, a lot of people now at the time, I mean, the allegations have been out there for decades and a lot of actors who now say that they regret working on his films or being in his films who won't work with him anymore are now saying, very much like Jimmy Savile, very much like Weinstein, that they wish they hadn't yeah. at the time. Because it's a, it's a certain type of culture that people become attuned to, like that frog in the frying pan. Yeah, They become attuned to it. They think it's okay or not okay, but it's, it's seen to be accepted. Yeah. Men in power, you just turn the other way. Yeah, you turn You turn the other cheek, you look elsewhere when you know it's wrong and there's other victims as long as it's not you. I mean, I'm not saying that's not fair. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I do think that there have been some real injustices here.
0: Yeah, but it's funny you should say about other victims because I did read one article where they said – and this was in support of Woody Allen, they had said he had never been accused of any kind of sexual abuse before or after. Or since, yeah. And that that does not fit with the profile of uh, a child sex offender. However, I really do believe in this case something went on. I don't know what, maybe we'll never know.
1: I, I I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know if that's true either, but it is true that he does form attachments to inappropriately younger yeah. women or girls, and in this case maybe Dylan just happened to be one of those girls at that time and she just happened to be 7. podcast dot com. Hello, at eavesdroppingpodcast dot com.
0: Email us a story. Share, like, all of that.
1: Follow our social media.
0: Like, subscribe, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, you know it's at, at do.
1: eavesdropping underscore. Yep. Got that right.
0: Ah, <gasps> oh, well, look. Thanks for the chit chat, George. Thank you, Moosh Yeah, and. uh Everybody, everyone else, keep on eavesdropping drop drop it drop it all day